0: Welcome to World Weekly with me, Ben Hall.
1: Donald Trump upended assumptions that he would be an isolationist U.S. president when he ordered missile strikes on a U.S. military base responsible for a chemical weapons attack that killed scores of civilians. Mr. Trump had, after all, campaigned against entanglements in foreign wars, especially those triggered by calls for humanitarian intervention. The cruise missile strike has immediately thrust the U.S. back to the fore of diplomatic efforts to solve Syria's murderous civil war. It has also enraged Moscow, which had high hopes that Mr. Trump would be a more accommodating president. But is this really a turning point in the Syrian war? And what does it tell us about the style and substance of US foreign policy more broadly? With me to discuss Syria and the Trump presidency are Gideon Rackman, our chief international commentator, who's down the line from Washington, and Jeff Dyer, our former U.S. diplomatic correspondent. Gideon, um, the Washington establishment, foreign policy establishment, was delighted uh, with this Trump uh, move. Why?
2: Well, I think because basically, if you look at a year's worth of Trump rhetoric, it was highly isolationist. And that's not a popular position in Washington where people... On both sides of the political divide, Republicans and Democrats believe that the U.S. should strive to continue to be the world's policeman, to put it crudely. Uh, They believe that, that at times America should be willing to intervene militarily, that it should aspire to be the regulator of the world order. And I think that they were extremely concerned that Trump would do all sorts of, in their light, strange things, from reconciling with Russia to starting a trade war with China, but also completely pulling back from military engagements. And I think that this military strike therefore sort of sent a signal that he is prepared to take military action, to get involved in the Middle East, as you say, on humanitarian grounds, which is in a way a rather extreme case. It's not even a straightforward national interest thing. And it's also obviously has echoes of what was regarded in retrospect as a big mistake here, which was Obama's failure to enforce the red line over chemical weapons in Syria in 2013, which, rightly or wrongly, people believe led to a loss of American credibility and perhaps even indirectly to Russian and Chinese adventurism in Ukraine and the South China Sea. So I think that there's a sort of sense that, to put it crudely, America is back. That said, there is also some entirely appropriate caution about, well, what are the next steps and how reliable really is Trump, because he's so volatile. In 24 hours, he reversed a year's worth of rhetoric. So where does he go next?
1: Jeff, President Barack Obama notoriously said he was proud that he did not follow up on his warnings about red lines and launch military attacks on the Syrian regime. And he scoffed at the idea of, I think it was deterrence credibility, this phrase that he used that he said the uh, foreign policy establishment was so beloved of. He might still be right, though, mightn't he?
3: Well I think the you know, this Syrian chemical weapons attack is a big embarrassment to him and to his administration and the policy they, they tried to implement because if you remember after threatening to take action in twenty thirteen against the Syrian regime, what they ended up doing was negotiating an agreement with the Russians and the Syrians to take all the chemical weapons out of Syria. That's what they thought. So the fact that Assad is still able to conduct these types of attacks is a big embarrassment because it shows that he didn't give up all his chemical weapons. A lot of people think that Obama got hoodwinked. But the second stage of Obama's argument would be that that kind of intervention that he was thinking of doing and which Trump has started to do now is potentially a slippery slope that, you know, you make this step now and it seems morally satisfying because the Syrian regime has committed this atrocity, but you don't know how it's going to end and you can get pulled gradually into this awful conflict with no end in sight. And that's the situation now that Trump is facing. Everyone's asking, what is going to happen next? What are you going to do now? And the Trump administration has failed to really articulate what its actual plans are. You know, it could just be this is a one-off event as a response to something like a chemical weapons attack. It could be that Trump is now saying he's going to actually genuinely intervene in the Syrian conflict against the Assad regime to try and shape the war. Or this could be, you know, the strategy could be to use this as some sort of negotiating leverage with the Russians to force the Russians to force Assad to the negotiating table. All of those three things have American officials have suggested in recent days that that is the strategy. And so they are given a very confused message. And a way, they're at risk of losing the opportunity they have here, having conducted this attack, to actually try and push through a new strategy because they haven't really got on the same page. They're not all speaking from the same songbook.
1: Gideon, do you get a sense of where the administration may go from here in terms of next steps on Syria?
2: No, uh, because they've actually been contradicting each other so that you've had some senior figures saying, yeah, Assad must go, and then others. Tillerson's, uh, the Secretary of State's initial reaction was, don't assume this reflects any change of strategy. And so I think that actually we're already seeing some of the halo effect dissipating from those missile strikes because it's becoming clear that there is no underlying strategy. Now, it may not be such a bad thing that America shows that it retains a kind of moral disgust at the use of chemical weapons, even if it does sound as if actually the president was influenced by the emotional reaction of his daughter Ivanka. That seems to be the story that's coming out. But the trouble is that this is a president who's been saying the opposite for a year, that he's not interested in humanitarian intervention, that just a week before these missile strikes, Nikki Haley, the ambassador for the US, had said that getting rid of Assad was no longer a priority of the United States. And some believe, although these things are unprovable, that that might have even encouraged the Syrians to use these appalling weapons. But no, there's no evidence yet that they know what they're doing. But there's also a concern that... Without an underlying strategy, one step could lead to another in a rather convoluted way so they could slide into further intervention in Syria. Let's say that the news today is that Assad is back on the offensive. Do they now stand aside? And then what do people conclude was the meaning of those missile strikes? But if they don't stand aside, do they get dragged into this war that Trump had been denouncing as a dumb idea for over a year? And then there's the question of relations with Russia, where again... It's now almost as bad as in the bad times of the Obama years, which again is very contrary to Trump's hope to build a better relationship with the Russians.
1: The US had arguably left Syria to Russia and obviously the Bashar al-Assad regime and his Iranian allies. Does this strike give America more diplomatic leverage with Moscow?
2: Well, I don't think so necessarily. I mean, I think that It depends, obviously, how you think they think in Russia. I mean, I think what it does is it restores an element of American unpredictability and deterrence. I mean, to the extent that one of the problems with Obama, perhaps, was that he was so super rational that you could sort of almost say, well, it's obvious that he's not going to do anything highly risky because he would have thought it through. This sends a message to to the Russians and others that, well, you can't be entirely clear how Trump is going to behave... And therefore, perhaps you do need to tread cautiously. That said, the Americans and the Russians in the Obama years were engaged in diplomacy. And some thought that John Kerry, Obama's Secretary of State, was led down the garden path repeatedly by the Russians and then let down. But it's a question really of of how Russia conceives its interests. I mean, it's possible that they are looking for a way out of Syria now. And so if they think there's some utility to working with Trump, maybe they'll do it.
1: Jeff, is there some foreign policy advantage in being unpredictable more broadly, I mean, outside of Syria?
3: It can go both ways. I mean, it could, in some hands, if a president knew how to use it properly. It does give you an advantage because it it puts your opponent on on the back foot sometimes or your adverter on the back foot. As Gideon mentioned with Barack Obama, one of the problems was that he was so predictable in so many ways. I mean, he reacted in the same way in a very methodically, in a very rational, very patient way to every situation. But the downside is that if you're trying to impress an idea of deterrence, if you're trying to convince both your adversaries and your allies that you are present and you're willing to intervene and you have your allies' backs, that's when being very unpredictable can be a weakness, because then even your allies don't quite know whether you're going to be there with them or not when it really counts. And so it can be used very skillfully in the hands of a a politician who is thinking three or four steps ahead. It could be an advantage if used in certain ways. But there's no real sense that Trump actually thinks strategically in that way. It all feels very instinctual. And if he continues to behave in that way, that will ultimately be a disadvantage for the U.S.
1: The administration was very keen to sort of send the message that if they're willing to use force in Syria, they might be willing to use it on the Korean peninsula. But if they're still trying to work out what to do next in Syria, it suggests that actually translating this approach to East Asia is going to be far more complicated and fraught with difficulty.
3: Yes, I mean, there's lots of issues. And one is just the fact that if the US did somehow do some sort of military intervention, In Korea to try and take out the North Korean missile program, for example. The damage that would cause, the war that that would generate, would be so immense that it's hard to really think that administration will try to do that. So whether it really is transferable in that sense is very unclear. And also, just go back to what people think about Trump. I mean, this has sent out a message, at least in some circles, that maybe, you know, this is a president who is comfortable using military power. But then you can look at it from the other context, which is think about everything that was happening in American politics in the last couple of weeks, how weak he looked, how fragile he looked, how disorganized, as White House looked. And if it starts to seem as if this is a president who will be prepared to use military power to get himself out of domestic scrapes, that ends up making him looking even more weak, not stronger.
2: Yeah, and I think that that's one of my concerns about this whole episode, is that we know, because he keeps talking about it, that Trump is obsessed with his poll ratings. His poll ratings were very low. They will probably get a boost out of the Syrian strike he likes applause, and maybe the poll rating boost and the bipartisan applause in Washington will convince him that this military strike stuff works for me. But if you then have in the hands of a president who's never dealt with the world, really, in in strategic terms, a rather kind of crude appreciation of the use of military force, the danger is this was at the very, very easy end of the kind of thing you can do, because there was no chance of retaliation, not much chance of escalation. But... If you translate that lesson that, you know, let's get the big stick out and it works to a much more dangerous situation like North Korea with all the complications that Jeff has just described, but a president who thinks, you know, I've just learned that being tough works for me, I think there is a danger there. One hopes that, that, you know, he does now have quite an experienced national security team around him, that people sit down and talk him through why a strike on North Korea is just a completely different thing. But I wouldn't say I'm entirely confident that Trump, who is so volatile and so new to all of this, will necessarily make the right call.
1: Well, he's certainly on a steep learning curve. We can safely conclude. That's it for this week. Thanks to Jeff Dyer and to Gideon Rackman. World Weekly is produced by Fiona Simon. Until
0: next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.